Acts chapter 3, and we've been reading the whole chapter. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... He asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man the perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed from you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the people who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised you up by his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Uh, In a moment, the the children are going to go out with George, uh, and Rob's going to come and speak to us. But let me pray first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your good news. Um, Your good news that we we can read again. in your word. Lord, I pray that you would help Rob to, to bring it to us in a new light today, that you would be speaking to him by your spirit. I pray that you'd be with George and the children, that you would open their eyes and that you'd fix their eyes on you. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Today, um, I'd like us to think on this chapter, um, and I'd like you to turn to the person next to you, and I'd like you to answer the, try and answer the question, or to fill in the gaps, basically. How, how would you finish these sentences? Just chat to the person next to you, come up with some ideas. How would you finish these sentences? I'll give you a few minutes for that. The two sentences on the slide are, blessing is, or the blessed one has. Now, I know we're in church, you're, you're good Christians, you read the Bible, you know that the answer is going to be Jesus or God somewhere in there, okay? So blessing is knowing God, knowing Jesus, we, we, we know that, don't we? And that is not wrong, okay? We're going to see that from the Bible. Um, what, but, but usually when we talk about blessing and conversation and that kind of thing, what, what kind of things are we talking about? Okay, thank you for that, Chloe. Um, so you sort of love and grace and... That's expressed through the way in which he gives these gifts, these material things. Is that right? Am I hearing you right? But health is material, right? It is. A bit physical body. It's a, it's, a material, it's a physical thing. So we do often, don't we, say the blessed life is, is, is a life that, that has a lot of those things, don't we? Have you heard that before? And, and almost suggests that the cursed life is the opposite of that. The one that isn't blessed is the one without those things. But, um, but, but work with me here, because I think, I think that's where we go to often. We say that blessing is a physical, it, it gives us material things. So blessing is having good health. Or blessing is having a, a lot of children, a big family. Blessing is these kind of things, okay? Um, the blessed one has those things. We'll see a man today from the Bible who has none of those things. He has nothing. He is materially, financially destitute, completely physically uh, immobile, um, at the mercy of everyone else around him. And, um, and yet we're going to see that Jesus lifts him up through his, the, his apostles, through his sent ones. Uh, Jesus lifts him up and he ends up praising God. And we'll hear Peter's follow-up speech. Um, that we heard a bit of that in the, in the second half of the chapter. And that speech is to a crowd of people who are gathered in the temple courts, mainly Jews, um, who have rushed in, amazed by what they've seen. In verse 25, which is where Paul, uh, Peter will end up with this speech. So if you want to turn to that, 3 verse 25. And it will answer our question. Peter is going to mention to them about how uh, the covenant that God made with their fathers, our fathers, um, saying to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then verse 26, he follows that up with saying, reflecting on that, on that uh, promise, he says, God, having raised up his servant, he's talking about Jesus, sent him to you first, the people he's talking to, to bless you. By what? To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. In the Bible, we get a very different definition of blessing. We get a definition of blessing that is 
a call to repentance. The blessed person is someone who has had someone sent to them to turn them back from their wickedness. Do you see that in that verse? Peter is saying, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And so it is possible, isn't it, for everyone to have all of the good gifts, and they are good gifts from God, and yet to not have this blessing. The blessing of having someone sent to them to call them to repentance and for them to come to forgiveness of sins. They can have all of those things and not have that blessing. And they can have none of those things and they can be truly blessed. Do you see that? Um, So let's have a look at this guy, um, this guy in the story. I told you, um, there he is. Um, We're going to look at the man and then we're going to look at the miracle. So the man himself, uh, what were we told about him? Well, in verse, um, let's have a look down, verse... Two, we're told that this man is lame from birth, born, unable to walk. He had to be carried and laid at the gates of the temple. Why? Well, he couldn't work. He had nothing. The only way he could feed himself was to ask. Have you ever walked past a person on the street? Do they they get much success? No. Not in London. People aren't very generous or or, or, or compassionate in London, are they? Like, you you sort yourself out. I'm going to sort myself out. Um, He must have been desperate. He was immobile. He was at the mercy of other people. Presumably quite vulnerable to people attacking him, nicking his money, that kind of thing. So we meet a man who is, and it says that he was lame from birth and actually later on we're told that he is over 40 years old he spent his whole life he's now a man he spent his whole life with nothing needing to do this and yes his, his, one of his main needs is money isn't it to survive some way of surviving and um, we're told that they laid him daily at the gate Um, And I think this is important because I think Luke is stressing the fact that this is public. This is like the most prominent person. Everyone saw him. Everyone would have gone past him at some point because he's there daily and he's at the gate. The point where it narrows and they're going through. They They couldn't have missed him. He was there all the time. It's very important because when we see what they respond when they're amazed by the healing, well, it must be because they knew this man was there and they'd seen him. That's why the crowds were so interested. He was prominent. He was visible. It's a very public miracle. So this man um, has a great need, the most pressing need for um, some way of getting by. He has nothing and he needs other people to help him out. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you feel like, I, can't, I don't actually have what I need. I, I need people to help me. It's quite humbling, isn't it? He quite literally cannot get himself inside the temple. And so actually there's sort of a, quite a spiritual picture going on here. He is, he's outside the temple. All of the people are inside, able to get themselves inside, and be praising God and meet with God in, in the meeting place with God. 
and yet he's outside. And actually, I think we should question why, um, why he's outside and why people haven't shared with him the God that they're going into worship. All these people crowding into the temple. Maybe Israel is failing to do what it was meant to do, which was to be a light to, to, to outsiders, to other people. And he's just sat there completely unawares. And he calls out, doesn't he, to the, um, to the apostles, uh, John and, and Peter walk past, and he calls out to them and he says, well, can I have some money? They didn't go to him, he called out to them. And then we read um, in verse 6, Peter said, I, I have no silver and gold. He's telling the truth. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And, the, and he took him by the right hand and raised the man up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. You would be, wouldn't you? Amazed? You'd seen him there every day. Suddenly he's not there anymore. Has he died? You go into the temple, you hear the chatter, you hear the commotion. No, he's in there. He's walking, jumping. This man has been miraculously healed. And his life has been transformed. And yet, really, the majority of the chapter is, spe- is sort of devoted to what Peter says about what has happened. Do you get that? We're not, we're not sort of left with these miracles in the Bible where it's like, we have to interpret them. We have to decide what they mean. We're actually told what they mean by, by the apostles. The apostles explain them to us. So there's this long speech, isn't there, in the, from verse 11. When, or verse 12, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel. So they're mainly Jews. He's going to address them. He's going to talk about what's happened. So the man and the miracle. Um, and then we're going to see um, this point. This is the first thing they want to say. Peter wants them to know. This man has been healed by the man, Jesus of Nazareth. Because what are people doing? Well, they're looking at Peter and John. They're saying, wow, you guys, are the cool, you know, you're the man. And they're saying, no, no, not me. You think that by my power, by my piety, that I made this man well? No. The first thing they do is quash all of that kind of assumption. First thing Peter says is verse 12. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. It's not us. You get a lot of healing ministries, don't you, in the world today. It's striking, isn't it, that the focus tends to be on the person themselves, that their name and their fame, that they want people to know them, that their face is on the poster. It doesn't seem to be glory to Jesus. It seems to be glory to man. So we do have to question the first miracle we see from the apostles. 
It's the complete opposite of that. They're saying, don't look at us. This is Jesus who's done it. My main point here in Peter's sermon is, this is not us doing it. This is Jesus doing it. Let me talk to you about him. And notice it's the Jesus, it's not by us, but it's the Jesus that they had denied. So this is what Peter brings out a couple of times in this sermon. And if you look down with me um, at verse 13, just pick it up from where we left off. Well, the God of Abraham glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied. The one you denied is the first thing that they say about this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Peter says, you denied him. You didn't want to know him. You pushed him away. You rejected him. You killed him. You even had him killed because Pilate was willing to release him. But you denied him. So the first thing that Peter draws out is that they are they are those who have denied this man, Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, that this healing has been done by this man, Jesus of Nazareth, but they have denied him. And if they just left it like that, it wouldn't be much news. It wouldn't be worth mentioning that. Well, do you, do you know, by the way, that you denied Jesus? Yeah, we did. We did do that. That wouldn't be newsworthy, would it? It would have to be what they say next. Peter says, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. So get this, the point is that they denied someone who it just so turned out was Lord of all, was important, was way more important than they'd realised. He was the holy and righteous one. He was the author of life. And they denied him. It's the same thing today. We think it doesn't really matter whether what we think about Jesus. In fact, it's, it's pretty irrelevant to life, isn't it? We can happily go on our lives without considering him. And that would be a non-news, wouldn't it? That would be no news at all, unless Jesus happens to be the holy and righteous one, the author of life, God himself. Then it is important. The fact that we've denied him, the fact that we've thought, oh, I can just ignore him and just do what I want. It, it, is, it is important, it's serious. That's their main point, isn't it? This man has been healed by the man, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you denied, and yet the one that God has raised to life. He says that in verse 15. Whom God raised from the dead. Because God has raised him, it shows he is truly the righteous one. He is the vindicated one. And he is coming back. And so what we make of him, what we, how we respond to him, it matters. It's not a kind of take it or leave it thing. We're living in denial, even ignorance. He talks about that, doesn't he? In verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. 
but. <laughs> There's a but. You can't just live in ignorance. Jesus has risen. He is coming back. And what we do with him, well, how we respond to him, it really matters. Well, what is the response that he calls for, Peter calls for? Um, look down with me at verse um, 19. He says, repent. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Don't carry on that way. That way leads to death and judgment. Don't carry on that way. Turn back. Don't be proud. Humble yourselves. Come to God. Admit your guilt. Admit your sin. He talks about repentance. He says, repent. You need to turn back. And there's some wonderful things that he says will flow from that turning back. Um, he says three times, he says that. He says, verse 20, um, sorry, uh, verse 19, that your sins may be blotted out. All your sins may be wiped clean, erased, gone forever. Um, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and um, so you will know God's presence with you and he, he will refresh you. You'll feel refreshed by him continually, daily, by your relationship with him, by his presence with you. And then thirdly, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So Jesus will... God will send the Christ, when he returns, appointed for you. So he will come and he will take you to be with him. There's three things that flow from this repentance. Sins blotted out. Times are refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And the Christ will be sent for you. And that's what he's pointing to, isn't it? That's what he's saying. This is the response. This is the right response. When you realise you have been denying, you've been walking away, you've been spurning the one who actually turns out to be the Lord of all. The one who is, the one that you've rejected, but the one who actually turns out to be the one who is God's righteous one. The Christ. The Holy One. He says, repent, turn back. And um, they have had people sent to them. Who have they had sent to them? Um, well, they had Moses. If you look down with me at verse 22, they had Moses sent to them. Peter says, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So they've had someone sent to them to tell them this. And they had the, uh, Moses speaking about this prophet and the need to listen to him. And even as far back as Abraham, they had the promise. He, um, Peter says um, that they are sons of the prophets in verse 25 and of the covenant that God made. So it's not like they hadn't had people telling them about this. They just ignored it again. And again, and again. 
And things get more serious, don't they, the more you ignore something. So if you're told, oh, you really should have that fixed on your car and you can hear the noise, and then you ignore it because you don't want to have to pay for it. It gets more serious, doesn't it? And they'd basically been ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And now they had Jesus sent to them in verse 26. Sent him to you, Jews, first. He sent him to you. He raised up his servant. He sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. So the blessing is, and we'll go back to this, Moses, Jesus. The blessing is hearing of our need to repent and be forgiven. I just want us to think about that because this has been quite, well, not encouraging for me, but like it's been quite poignant for me this week. I've been thinking about this. Actually, those who are blessed are those who have people sent to them to call them to repentance. It's not what I usually think, is it? I tend to think of blessing as people who have things going for them in life or things available to them in life or they seem to be the blessed ones the people who are currently picking up trophies at Wimbledon or you know the people who who get all the best grades at school they're the blessed ones but blessed ones according to this according to what Peter is saying is those who have someone sent to them to turn them from their wickedness and that's the case for people who have other Christians who are sent to them to turn them from their wickedness, to call them to repentance, to help them to see that even though they, that they, they feel fine about ignoring Jesus at the moment, that they won't feel fine on the day when they stand before him. That it matters. The one they've denied, ignored, thought they could happily live without, actually turns out to be the most important one of all. And so, as we think about this, um, if you are someone who is here today and is hearing that for the first time, it, it would be great if you saw that as God's blessing. God's blessing, having someone tell you about that. Having the apostles in God's word tell you about that. Not to sort of see it as either irrelevant or unimportant, but to see it as his blessing, him holding out his hands to you and saying, you need to know about this. Repent. Turn back. That your sins may be blossed out, that you may receive refreshing from his presence and that when the Christ comes, you will be gathered in as his people. See it as his blessing. You won't be able to hide behind ignorance and say on the day when he comes, I, don't, I just didn't know. Because there's been people time and time again who have shared this with you. You know. You know that Jesus is risen. You know that he will come back. But what about you? And if you are a Christian, it must have been the case that someone was sent to you. That God himself sent someone to you to call you to repentance. To show you your need of forgiveness. To show you that forgiveness is available to you in Christ from what he has done. You know what? If that's you, you are the most blessed person 
you are one of the most blessed people in the whole world. We need reminding of that, don't we? I need reminding of that. Um, that, that of all the things I think about myself, about you know, what, what I've got going for me, perhaps what people think of me, all of those kind of things that go around my thoughts. If I know Christ, I'm one of the most blessed people in the whole world. If, even if I had nothing else. Even if I lost everything else. blessing of God has been to turn me from my wickedness, from my pride, from my sin, to, to, to him, to turn me to him. And he is with me now. And there should be, never be a day when I'm not utterly astounded by that, that God would choose me. It's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, you don't really know me all that well, as in, you know me from what you know about me. And what I want you to know about me. But if you knew me really, okay, you would think, really? God chose him? Chose to save him? This man is, is, is there, lying, completely hopeless. And yet in the end, he is in the temple and he is praising God. Because God has quite literally picked him up. And moved him into his presence. And that's like us. We're, we're utterly helpless. We're, we're, we're spiritually disabled. We're, we're you know, absolutely unable to do anything about our situation. And we need God. We need God to save us. We can't decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to get myself sorted. I'm going to walk into God's presence. That's just not going to work. Jesus has to come to us. He sends people to us. And he calls us to repentance. So that we would know the blessing of knowing him. Uh, this reminded me of Matthew chapter 5. Do you know that? Um, in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are. Should we turn to it? Uh, it's right at the start of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. It's page 809. Can someone else read this for me? Peter, would you mind reading it out loud? Uh, just, just from verse uh, 3, yeah, but loud if you can. Blessed ones are not the ones that the world would say they have it all. 
But the blessed ones are the ones who have come to know the way to eternal life. The one who, who is eternal life. Jesus, God's son. The ones who have been made poor in spirit, who have been shown how little spiritually they have to offer. They only come with their sin. And who thirsts for that righteousness that he can give them. That is the true blessed ones. Blessed people, blessing is hearing of our need to repent and be forgiven. Of all the people you'll meet this week, the people who are being blessed by God are people who are getting to hear from him about their need to repent. So it's not a case that there's, there will be people you come across for whom they're not getting to hear that. There currently isn't people that God is sending to them. That could be a sign of God's judgment. He's left them without that call. And yet those who are being sent to, and we are those who are being sent to, people to tell them of this, they are the ones who are blessed. And having someone sent to tell us of our need to turn back from our wickedness, to turn to God for forgiveness, to have our sins blotted out, that is the truly blessed life. Don't make no mistake, there is no other best life other than that blessed life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you do send your son first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, to all nations. Thank you that you sent your apostles as witnesses uh, to all nations, to all peoples. To tell them of the one that, who is holy and righteous and who we have scorned and rejected. Who is Lord of all. And thank you that that is a loving warning. Thank you that you prepare us through that so that we may turn back to you. We will not have our sins counted against us. That we will know your uh, forgiveness. We will know your presence with us. Uh, for the day when Jesus returns. Such amazing mercy, such amazing grace, such a wonderful blessing. We pray that we would be those who would be your blessing to those who are around us. It won't be a welcome message at first, but we pray that we would be willing to love people as you love them. Love them enough to tell them that there is a need of you. It doesn't matter how they respond to you. We pray you do that. We do that lovingly. You'd show us the best way to speak about these things. Perhaps even ways from, the, from your word. We pray that you would prepare us for those conversations. And we'd be prayerful. Uh, but we pray that you would bring people to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,